Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Finally, more horsepower coming in 2022. NASCAR made the adjustment to the rules package for next season. We'll talk about that on the show as well as our motorsports announcing their Xfinity Series lineup. Colleague Racing chooses their new number for the NASCAR Cup Series. A little IndyCar news here and there. we got a new F1 champion and a lot more to come here on the Drivers Meeting Podcast right now. Make sure to head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today for Bet Online. You can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. So as I mentioned, top of the show NASCAR has finally made the decision to add horsepower to the NASCAR next-gen car. It's a move that a lot of people were anticipating after the tests. That took place at Charlotte Motor Speedway just about a week ago, and the drivers and teams have been applauding the move for sure. So, to be specific, we knew 670 horsepower would be used at the road courses, short tracks, and some of the uh, intermediate-ish tracks. Uh, We can say Darlington and Nashville Super Speedway. But now... They have moved the mile and a half package, which would be the 550 package. We have moved it up to 670 for the entire season for basically every racetrack besides Daytona, Talladega, Atlanta, which is basically going to be another super speedway racetrack as they are you know, in the process of remodeling it right now. And potentially Michigan could also use um, the super speedway package that has been used at Daytona and Talladega. So... We know that it'll be 670 all throughout the season for basically 90% of the races and a 4-inch spoiler as well, 4-inch rear spoiler for downforce and we'll use the engine 670 target horsepower as a baseline. So a lot of the drivers are happy about it, a lot of the fans are happy about it and I think it's a move personally that will work out in the long run. I mean, we've seen the past few years running the 550 horsepower package. I mean, it's been said time and time again. Obviously, we know what the drivers prefer. We know what the majority of fans prefer. We know that NASCAR has said, oh, well, the fan council says we want the 550 package. And I kind of had a theory about that is that I feel like they're not, you know, this fan council, because I did check it out. I don't know if I've mentioned on past episodes, because I had, when they've been mentioned in the fan council, I've had no idea what the fan council is but i did look it up it's something you can just join anybody can just join you just type in your name and the fan council and all of a sudden bam you can play a, a part of the future of nascar but i feel like what they're asking because i've seen some of the questions sometimes they're asking questions like oh would you rather see 
uh, you know, first and second have a close finish? Or would you rather see, you know, the finish under five seconds or under three seconds? And I think what they're taking from that is, oh, well, we need to make this the 550 horsepower package because fans want closer racing. So I feel like the questions are a little bit skewed in the fan council, but enough about the fan council. That doesn't matter anymore. We got 670 horsepower for next season. It's a start. Obviously, the majority of us would want more, but you know what? We're going to take it. This is a step in the right direction. And this next-gen car, we still don't really know what it's going to do. We don't know the financial. We don't know. Well, we do know the financial aspects. We don't know all of it, um, you know, as just spectators. But the drivers are happy, and I think this will provide, you know, great racing for next season as well. You know, because a lot of the drivers, they were, you know, everyone is still sort of wondering what this next gen car is going to be, how it's going to race, you know, what are the financial aspects, how is this going to affect the team, how many cars are we going to have throughout the season, you know, are we going to have a struggle, a shortage of cars, um, but the drivers are able to come together for this move um, and kind of celebrate, um, you know, a lot of the older school drivers, I guess you could say, and newer school, because a lot of people are kind of tying this move to all oh, the veteran guys, you know, want the higher horsepower, I mean, a lot of the younger guys do too because I look at this as the Xfinity series drivers. I feel like I've noted on this before. Some of the recent Xfinity call-ups were in an era where the Cup series and the Xfinity series are more different than ever. When the Cup series was running all 550 horsepower package, when the Xfinity cars have more power than the Cup cars, drive different, built differently, different bodies on the race car, It's I feel like it's so much more of a challenge now for today's rookies to come up and just immediately jump into something like a lot of people are expecting. And I do think it's a mix of some of the fans not having enough patience with some of our younger drivers, and also just the adjustment seems a lot, you know, a lot more vast than it was before. But you look at three guys that were the rookie class of 2020, which was Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, um, and Tyler Reddick. Three amazingly talented drivers. We saw what they did in the Xfinity Series, what they could do against cup drivers when they went in the Xfinity Series. Tyler Reddick, we know he's a very talented driver. Cole Custer, I mean, won a handful of races, I believe seven his last year in the Xfinity Series. And then you got Christopher Bell, who won a handful of races as well for Jugby's Racing, I believe that amount, uh, seven or more, that season. That was the big three. You called them up. Chase Briscoe, last year, we know how impressive he was in the Xfinity Series. Nine wins, I believe. I don't have it all right in front of me, but I believe nine wins in his last year in the Xfinity Series. Comes up to the Cup Series to the 14 team, which isn't the greatest in the world. We know Stuart Haas Racing had you know, their ups and downs for sure last year. A lot, lot more downs than ups. But the 14 team, that's not, I don't think, the weak link on Stuart Haas Racing. And has a subpar year. I mean, like the majority of Stuart Haas Racing. But it's just, I feel like, a big adjustment for a guy like Chase Briscoe. And we'd see. We'd go to the road courses, the short tracks, which I the short tracks weren't, weren't really Chase Briscoe's strength in the Xfinity Series either, so I didn't expect much there. But when we went to the road courses and also tracks like, I, I believe, Nashville Super Speedway, he was able to run semi-well. We saw some good runs out of some guys. Oh, Darlington, I believe, Chase Briscoe ran very well. Go to those type of tracks, you saw him run better because he ran in a package that you could compare more to the Xfinity series. So now, this next-gen car, still very different, right? It's had a lot of different things in the previous cup car, a lot of different things in the Xfinity series. But I believe having the smaller spoiler, having the 670 horsepower package, we know it puts the driving back more into the hands of the drivers. Because, like, what a lot of people don't, you know, realize is, you know, they're thinking like this whole aero game is going to go away. Tommy Joe's noted this on the podcast a lot. 
arrow's not totally going away. That's always going to be there, but it's how much, right? These giant spoilers running at Kansas, I mean, we saw, you know, the first thing I can think of is Kevin Harvick versus Joey Logano racing to the finish last year in the playoffs. Kevin Harvick couldn't get by him. We know who the faster car was, but he couldn't pass him because all you got to do is arrow block. And Joey Logano's the best in the game at doing that. He did nothing wrong in that situation. He did exactly what he needed to do, and it was impressive the way he was able to hang on to that win, guess the lines, but you know, it's not what a lot of fans and not what a lot of drivers wanted to see. And also equaling the playing field is supposed to be a big thing with this next gen race car. We got a lot of new teams coming into the sport. We got a, not, uh, a good selection of drivers as well. Austin Sindrick, who I think will have a great year next year. I think Austin Sindrick is going to have one of the best rookie seasons we've seen in recent memory. That's just me. That's my bold prediction. I think Harrison Burton and the 21 team might struggle a little bit, but I think Austin Sindrick's going to jump in there, and I think he's going to do really well. I mean, I'm just, uh, over the years, I've definitely become a big Austin Sindrick guy. I mean, the way he has seasoned himself in the Xfinity series from what he was as a, as a stock car driver four years ago to what he is now, I mean, Xfinity series champion, basically a corner away from being back-to-back -back Xfinity series champion. And now, you know, he gets to hop in the, in the deuce for Pens for Team Penske. I think that's going to be a great move. And I'm thinking big things for Austin Sindrick next year. We know how good he is on the road courses, but he showed his strength being able to run up front on the mile and a half, being able to run up front on the short tracks. I think Austin Sindrick has really, you know, we know he's going to be one of the top five guys on a road course but he's also put himself in that conversation where we would go to places week in, week out. I know the 22 car is very fast in the Xfinity series. You know, we know that. But we knew he was going to be one of the contenders if we just went to somewhere like Kansas. So I think Austin Cindric's definitely seasoned himself in that way. I think he'll be a contender. We also got another rookie, Todd Gilland, who's coming in, going to drive the 38 for Front Row Motorsports. And that's basically our rookie class, I believe. Harrison Burton, Todd Gilland, uh, and Austin Sindrick, unless we have any late ads to the rookie class, which could happen. But overall, back to the original point, it is 670 horsepower. We are upgrading from 550 for the majority of the season for the NASCAR Cup Series. And I think the test that we saw at Charlotte, I think the racing was good. The cars were stepping out um, and a little loose. And, and what I've seen is there's a difference between a car getting loose you know, wiggling around off corner exit and a car just stepping out. Because what we saw with the 550, if you lost the 550 uh, package race car, I mean, it was just the back end stepping out. And you weren't really loose. I mean, you might have some, some tire wear or something like that. And we had seen that with the next gen car in the first few tests as well. It just seemed like the back end just kind of stepped out. But I think a lot of driver feedback was given. And we obviously had the top drivers, all of them, you know, in the, in the garage. It wasn't just a few of them. We've had these organizational tests where they've been able to provide their input, been able to do a lot of different things, and I think that's really helped. And when we were at a point last year, and even you know towards the summer this year where we didn't know, like, do we really have enough time to get this car together? Are we going to have enough time to get this car together? I mean, it was crazy. I mean, the fact that we delayed it last year when I knew it wasn't going to be ready was like, okay, take a year off here. I think this is good because we'll have extra time to prepare it. You know, fast forward a year later, then we're still like, oh, are we going to have this ready? But I am optimistic. I am very optimistic. I mean, I've been optimistic this whole time, but I think they will have it ready for the start of the season. They've just begun the, the construction for the clash at the Coliseum. Speed Week's coming up right after that. And, you know, I'm hoping big things for this next-gen car. And I've always been excited about this next year. 
And it's also because of the difference in the racing series we're going to see. You know, I'll note on this later in the podcast, but the Xfinity series, the Xfinity series is going to be electric next year. And it just got even more electric this week. It's going to get even more electric as the silly season goes on. But it's going to be so much different than the Cup Series. The Cup Series is going to be a whole different dynamic. Then you got the Xfinity Series. I mean, the paint schemes are going to be different. The number placement's different. And then you got the Truck Series. The Truck Series is is going to be mayhem. But I still think a lot of great teams down there. It's going to be very competitive in the Truck Series. We just hope to see a little bit less of torn up trucks. But, you know, that's not always a guarantee in the Camping World Truck Series. Uh, I know Jesse Little has an announcement he's going to make tomorrow. He'll be joining the Truck Series, and that's just one of, of some of the, the big names that will be joining the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series next year. So it'll be fun to see. But all in all, all the drivers, I mean, literally all of them, I can't even see one driver in the garage that is upset about this decision to raise the horsepower. I mean, they're going crazy. I mean, on Twitter, all the replies, all the team owners, all I mean, Mark Martin is even applauding the decision. I mean, you got to think years ago, you know, 10 years ago, if we went dead, we'd be going way down to 670 horsepower. We could be complaining. I mean, we're at a point where 670 horsepower, that is what we want <laughs> because what it means is it's a step in the right direction. And I think this, the small spoiler as well, we saw this package working at Charlotte when they were testing. There was great racing. The restarts were still fine. Cars were hard to drive on edge. I mean, Tyler Reddick was ripping the thing around. I think just by this move, there is there is a lot more optimism about this race car. Still a lot of things to be worked on. There's still a whole season to go. We haven't even seen an official race yet or even an official, you know, practice session or qualifying session. But, you know, I, I do think this provides a lot more room to be optimistic for 2022. And I'm excited to see it. So NASCAR Next Gen Car going to 670 horsepower, 4-inch spoiler for 2022. Big move. That'll lead us right into the NASCAR report. No Tommy Joe Martins to bounce off of today, unfortunately. But we're going to run you through the quick headlines over the last few weeks. And we'll start right in the Xfinity Series where I told you we'd go. We got Orr Motorsports coming out. Three full-time race cars. They had two last year. Now they got three. And they're all full-time drivers, not going to be rotating seats. It's going to be Brett Moffitt. He returns to the O2 car. Then Anthony Alfredo joins the team in the number 23. And Jeb Burton comes over from Colleg Racing and joins the team in the number 27. What do I think about this move? I think it's great. I think this is perfect. One thing that I noted about before, the, the Myatt Snyder move, when he went from RCR, right, championship expectation team, you know, doesn't really do as well there. Now... He finds himself at Jordan Anderson Racing, which I think is a perfect move, a perfect opportunity to put yourself maybe in the bottom bottom half of the playoffs on points. Squeeze your way in there. Totally possible. Totally possible to inch out a win on a road course or something like that. We know Maya's a talented driver. But when you look at this Or Motorsports team dynamic, obviously I'm, we're all excited about Brett Moffitt getting another opportunity back in the O2. This time he's going to start racing for Xfinity Series points unless something changes from now to then. But then we have Anthony Alfredo, the free agent that when he immediately when he got released by Front Row Motorsports, I was I believe I said it right on this podcast. I'd like to see him in a mid-tier Xfinity Series ride, a B-plus team Xfinity Series ride full-time. I think that's what he needs. We know Anthony Alfredo has talent. When he drove the 21 for Richard Childress Racing, he had speed. He led laps. He did very well. And it was just a rush to the Cup Series. It was such a change to a team that obviously isn't a Penske Racing, isn't a Roush Fenway. It was Front Row Motorsports. No diss on Front Row Motorsports, but there were a lot of expectations, I feel like, for him you know, in that program. And then being teammates with Michael McDowell, who we know is a seasoned vet, won the Daytona 500, and... 
I believe this is just the perfect move for Anthony Alfredo to move back to the Xfinity Series to really showcase his talents in a car that you can. And we've talked about this so much. Well, let me move on to the, the third one for, first before I you know, summarize everything. Jeb Burton in the 27 car, another one where I think this is a perfect move for Jeb Burton as a driver. He goes to Colleg Racing. We know Jeb Burton is not the most... You know, hasn't been the most impressive driver in the world, but he has talent. He's led laps, he's led races, and you know, obviously he won the Xfinity Series race at Talladega earlier in the year. But he moves to the ten car, which didn't even win the season before, but was in contention for many wins with Ross Chastain, and had won before in the past. Collie cars had won in the past before. Justin Haley, you know, AJ Allmendinger showing his dominance throughout the season. It was kind of an expectation where people expected Jeb Burton to run up front which he did, but they also expected him to get a lot more wins than he did, maybe go further in the playoffs in the number 10 car. But Jeb Burton ultimately cuts ties with Colleague. We see Landon Castle go there, which I think is a perfect move because Landon Castle is somebody who's proved himself in a mid-tier ride. I wouldn't say B+, but maybe a B- C over there at JD Motorsports with Johnny Davis and now gets himself a ride at Colleague. And now Jeb Burton finding himself in a spot where, man, I really need to prove myself well, there you go. This is the perfect place to prove yourself for our motorsports driving the number 27, a B-plus ride, because we've always said, you know, whether you, you agree with it or not, I still think it's, it's a great principle that Tommy Joe brings up a lot, I bring up a lot. It's better to underperform, it's better to overperform in an underperforming car than to underperform in an overperforming car. You know, it's better, it's better to run 10th for Aura Motorsports than it is to run 10th for Colleague Racing. People are, you know, people are going to show you a lot more. People are going to notice you a little bit more. Instead of noticing, oh, man, this guy's in a colleague racing car running outside the top 10. I don't know. You know, he, he should be doing a lot better to where if you're running in the Ore Motorsports car, a team that is on the rise, has put together great cars. We've seen Brett Moffitt contend for wins. We've seen Tyler Reddick contend for wins in their second car. Um, but if you're running up front in that race car, you're going to get noticed a lot. And I think it's just a great opportunity to prove yourself. There's no pressure for you to go out there and win a championship right away, win it, win a race. Um, it's just going to be, you know, the opportunity to run really well. And I know that team has a lot of great expectations, obviously partnering with ECR because ECR is like powering like half the Xfinity series at this point, which is awesome. I love it. Um, but I just think a great opportunity for all three drivers, but especially for Anthony Alfredo and Jeb Burton, two guys looking to rebound with their careers. Perfect place to prove themselves and what will be a absolute dogfight next year in the Xfinity Series. Because I think, you know, it's not just going to be making the playoffs. It's like, ah, oh, the 12th seed in the playoffs, blah, blah, whatever. Like, no, that's going to be, you are going to have to work for that 11th, 12th seed in the playoffs because it's going to be a dogfight down there. I mean, we look at the list uh, of full-time drivers here. I mean, it's crazy. We're, we are expecting about 50 teams, you know, a little bit, give or take a few, to enter the season opener at Daytona. We know that Jordan Anderson Racing will likely have a, a second part-time car with you know Jordan Anderson himself, Sage Karam to run some races as well. We know Alpha Prime Racing, Tommy Joe's own, will have another car to run some potential races. We don't know who DGM's second car is going to be. We know RSS Racing has a second car. Will Sam Hunt Racing have uh, multiple cars? That is the belief in the garage area. So it's going to be very interesting to see you know, how, how this plans out, this Xfinity series, um, right at that top level, that A, B-plus level, it's getting real hot. We'll keep it right in the Xfinity series. DGM Racing announced their first driver 
which will be Mason Massey joining the team. Uh, he will be the primary driver of the 91. It wasn't like verified that he'll be like the full-time driver, but I obviously that's the goal. We see some of these deals come together where it's like, you know, we're going to give you the majority of the season, get some extra sponsors throughout the year, and then we'll give you the full-time deal, uh, which I think is better um than teams like announcing like full-time automatically when it's not really set yet and then it doesn't work out and that just leaves people wondering well what the heck happened um so i think a great opportunity for mason massey a guy that we've seen drive for bj mcleod racing on a part-time basis uh the last few years now comes over to dgm a team that obviously they lost josh williams lost caesar baccarella who both are going to great opportunities you know where they're going Caesar Baccarella being the partial owner of Alpha Prime Racing and, you know, Josh Williams over there at BJ McLeod Motorsports. Great opportunity for him. So almost like a swap. Mason Massey uh, gets traded for BJ McLeod over to Mario Goslin in exchange for Josh Williams. And DGM expects to run two full-time cars for sure. We'll see if, you know, anything more than that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who's in that second full-time car because really the only one left is Alex LeBay who has been impressive in his tenure with the team, his tenure in the Xfinity Series, I think definitely would deserve uh, a call back to the team. But we know funding uh, is a big part of that. We know that even last year, you know, when he was getting his deal put together to get back in the 36, it wasn't like guaranteed at first. Uh, there was still some sponsorship to be worked out. Hopefully they're able to work it out this year and we can see Alex LeBay back in the race car. But that could leave the seat open to somebody else to come along in the Xfinity Series. We know we still have a good crop of free agent drivers and we will see what happens from there. Going to give you a few IndyCar news here. Jimmy Johnson is going full-time IndyCar Series racing next year. A lot of people expected him to just do the road courses and street courses plus the Indy 500 next year. But he's going all in. And I say, why not? If you got the sponsorship, you got the funding, you got the drive to do it. Obviously, it's a shorter season than NASCAR Cup Series. He's going to go full-time, run every single oval, every single road course in the number 48 for Chip Ganassi Racing. He'll have the American Legion sponsoring one race. Uh, that will be at Iowa in July, and Carvana will be his primary partner throughout the season, as we've seen uh, in his IndyCar career. So definitely very interesting there. Jimmy Johnson, you know, at this point, his career is now stepping into the full-time IndyCar role, was a rookie last year. Now this will be his rookie full-time season. And it'll be interesting to see what else he does as well. Still motorsports. We know he's been interested in doing the, the IMSA stuff. You know, um, you know, his time running the Daytona race. I believe he ran at Sebring 2. I believe he ran somewhere else. I can't remember where else he's been running uh, for IMSA. But he's definitely run, run a handful of those races. And I know he's having fun doing it. And I think he's definitely been able to learn a lot in his, his first year of IndyCar racing, which is not easy, by the way. Like, a lot of people are, are dogging him at this point in his career. Um, you know, saying, ah, you know, Jimmy Johnson, man, like, what are you doing? Like, it is hard. I mean, especially after you've been seasoned driving a NASCAR for 20 plus years and to hop in an Indy car and just be able to run decent. I mean, the way he's been doing, obviously he's, you know, had some spins, had some wrecks, was able to kind of clean it up towards the end of the season. I think it'll be interesting to see how he does, uh, next season full time. So one driver steps in the full time role. One driver steps out, and the driver stepping out is James Hinchcliffe. He retires from IndyCar competition, full-time IndyCar competition. And he did say he was looking to explore other forms of motorsports, but the first other form of motorsports he's getting into is the commentary booth, which we saw him in. Did some IndyCar races before, 
did some SRX races before. A lot of people applauded his commentating ability, and I was one of them. I thought he did a great job, provided great insight in the booth. So he joins NBC Sports, joins their commentary for next season. Still the door is open for him to do something. Uh, racing next year, 35 years old. He's had a great, you know, solid IndyCar career, fan favorite. Fan favorite, the mayor of Hinchtown, as they say. I say, come do some Xfinity races, Mr. Hinchtown. Uh, I know that 88 car Junior Motorsports has some open races. If you got some, uh, if you got some companies you want to put on the car, you know, I, all I know is Miguel Pluto and Dale Jr. Are running a handful of races next season. Um, that's what I was telling Tommy Joe a few episodes ago. I'm like, man, that 88 car. Hey, the introduction of the fifth part-time Junior Motorsports car that opens a lot of doors, man. Let's get let's get James Hinchcliffe running there. Let's get uh, Daniel Ricardo. Heck, man, Dale Jr.'s got his connections. Let's make it happen. Let's get the funding. Let's make it happen. But, I mean, I would love to see James Hinchcliffe come to the Xfinity Series, come to NASCAR in general, run some races. I'm sure he'd be open to that if the right opportunity was there. But all in all, I mean, congratulations to James Hinchcliffe on a great IndyCar career, a great full-time IndyCar career, and it'll be interesting to see what he does next. The all-star lineup for Colleg Racing has been decided, and I say all-star car because they're running that second part-time entry, well, part-time driver entry. It's a full-time entry with a charter in the NASCAR Cup Series. That will be the number 16, and the number 31 will be Justin Haley. He will be their full-time driver. But Colleg Racing announced the driver lineup. We knew AJ Allmendinger was going to drive some races for Colleg Racing in the Cup Series, but the drivers joining him are drivers you may not have expected. We knew Daniel Hemmick was probably going to do some races. He joins the crew, but Noah Gregson as well. Gregson will compete in four or fourteen NASCAR Cup Series races for the team, including the plate races with Beard Motorsports in the 62. And then Almendinger and Hemrick will participate in the remaining series events. They will split that schedule. Their official schedules uh, are not officially out there, but I would assume that AJ Almendinger would do the road courses, and we'll see where we see Daniel Hemrick end up, the defending Xfinity Series champion. But I think definitely a really cool lineup there in the Cup Series. We'll we'll get to see a dynamic of a lot of drivers hopping in. We'll get to see Noah Gregson get some next-gen car time. Daniel Hemrick, the defending Xfinity, Xfinity Series champion, makes his return to the NASCAR Cup Series after his uh, little stint with Richard Childress Racing. And then we have AJ Allmendinger, who is the defending winner of the Indianapolis Road Course Cup Series race. So I'm sure he'll be back there to defend his crown. That'll be fun to watch. But Colleg Racing getting set for next year uh, in a year. Well, they will have three full-time Xfinity Series teams, those being Daniel Hemrick, A.J. Allmendinger, Landon Castle. Then you go to their Cup Series side, Justin Haley running full-time in the 31, and then their second Cup Series team, which is really just going to be out there to chase trophies. I mean, Colleg Racing is out there to chase trophies anyways, but that's really going to be trophy hunting. That second car, the all-star lineup, they call it, with A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, and Noah Gregson. So that'll be fun to watch. And the last one that we'll hit on this show is kind of a sad news, unfortunate. Uh, the Mars brand, which is the maker of M&Ms and a lot of the other companies on Kyle Busch's race cars throughout the years, will be not only leaving Jacobs Racing, but leaving NASCAR as a whole after the 2022 season. So they'll be in the car this year for their scheduled primaries, but will be leaving the team and the entire sport after the 2022 season. So Kyle Busch will have to look for a new sponsor with Interstate Batteries next year. 
And it has been stated before anybody jumps to any conclusions that Kyle Busch's future is is clear. It's set, not up for debate, is what they said that he'll still be back with the team regardless, um, you know, of of this decision now by Mars. And there's been a lot of stuff to come out in the recent days about the decision, why it happened, why they're leaving, and I believe the verdict that was reached is that ownership. Uh, has changed in the company or something has changed in the company to where the people the new people that took over wanted to try something new and we've seen this happen before we've seen big sponsors leave the sport after being in it for such a while you know budweiser not there anymore lowe's not there anymore uh and now you know the most recent one mars the the mars team with m&ms not going to be on the 18 anymore and you know obviously from a business standpoint it's unfortunate for for the team and it's unfortunate just from the branding. I mean, for the sport. I mean, so many people are gonna you know, have been tying, you know, the M&M's car, you know, to the sport, whether they like Kyle Busch or not. It's one of the most recognizable, if not the most recognizable, car in the field. I mean, the paint schemes have never really changed over the years. Just a little bit here and there. Uh, that you've always had the candies on the side. Even the Skittles car, you could recognize uh, right away. But there they go. Not going to be in the sport anymore, not going to be with the team anymore, but a lot of optimism has been shown by a lot of people saying, hey, this just creates a new uh, new time for a new sponsor to come in to the sport, a new sponsor. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're out with Lowe's. We brought in Ally for the 48 team. Now we're out with M&Ms on the 18 team. So who else comes to fill that role? And I do think that's a great point to be made is that, Hey, this is a new opportunity for for some new brand to come in the sport, and we've seen it happen before. We've seen even just Focus Factor joining for what twenty six, I think twenty six primaries on the forty three car. New sponsor, nobody had ever heard of, but now we know what it is. So I think it's really cool that we do have that opportunity for a very marketable driver like Kyle Busch, marketable team like Jogu's Racing gonna have a new primary sponsor that we haven't really seen on and Jogu's racing in, in a while we know bass pro shops has been with mtj for a while uh the the number 20 cars kind of had the same sponsors for a while uh and obviously fedex has been with denny hamlin for forever so it's gonna be it is definitely gonna be different seeing a new team a new company on the number 18 car but it is sad but a new opportunity for a new company to come along and that's the way i look at it <laughs> Now I'll wrap up another episode of the Drivers Meeting Podcast. Uh, the year is coming to an end, and Christmas is just a few days away. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Um, and everybody can just chill out, relax, spend it with your family, spend it with your friends, spend it with whoever you have to spend it with. Um, no NASCAR. There are sports going on. You can watch some sports, Christmas Day basketball, Christmas Day football, I guess, now is a thing. Uh, there's a lot of football going on with all the COVID postponements of games, I believe, Tuesday, which is when I'm recording this right now. There are two games tonight coming up at 7 o'clock, so uh, make sure to get those bets in with Bet Online, uh, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And, of course, we got to give another thank you to our other sponsor, Lightbox. Make sure to say goodbye to the dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year, and time is running out, so you need to get some immediately. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. And because of their process, they can create stones in bluish pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they don't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. So make sure to get your Lightbox diamonds before Christmas. It's coming up. You can even get it for a New Year's gift as well. 
Uh, just make sure to get that in. Make sure to get your bets in with Bet Online. Thank you all so much for tuning in this episode of the podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to the Daytona Charity Shootout uh, that happened. Uh, we're approaching almost two weeks ago that that event happened. It was so cool to be able to put that on once again. Dean Thompson was the winner. $525 be able to raise and donate to Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. So it's so cool to see all that come together because of you guys. People supporting the event, you know, being able to make this a big thing, make brands want to come in, sponsor the event, and all the people that were able to make donations. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I, I love putting this on every year to be able to put it towards a good cause. And of course, everybody just have fun racing at Daytona uh, on the simulator. So it was so cool for the people that were able to enter the qualifiers, try to qualify their way in. Um, it's just so cool. I can't put into words uh, to describe how how cool something like that is. Um, how easy it is to connect everybody over the simulator on iRacing. It's such a cool tool to use. And just by having iRacing, just by doing some virtual racing, hey, we were able to race over five hundred dollars for for tornado relief funds. So uh, so glad we were able to do that. Obviously, congratulations for to Dean Thompson, uh, the winner of the race. Thanks so much to Davey Siegel as well for listening. If you're still listening to the show, for joining me up in the booth for that race, Toby Christie as well. We had a we had a wonderful time up in the booth. The the most professional unprofessional broadcast you have ever seen. That shut down with ten laps to go. Yes, that's right. If you were watching, the stream died with ten laps to go. That would only happen to us, but um, it's okay. Next year, next year we're gonna come bigger and better. We're gonna get uh gotta get Podium Esports and we're gonna do something with them because those guys are crazy. They do crazy stuff on the simulator. If you never watched it, if you watch that Monday Night Racing, you might see a NASCAR port car in there. Garrett Miller driving it. Thank you to Garrett Miller as well for helping me with the event on iRacing. Um, but this really just opens the door for a lot of cool things we could potentially do on the iRacing service. I mean, I could. We could do a league sometimes, some more fun events, you know, like a like a mini league, not a giant league, but like a mini league. Do some cool events, have some prizes, and be able to bring everybody together once again, especially because it's the off season. Uh, the off season, we're all just hanging out, uh, enjoying the time off, relaxing, but we also got the itch to race. So um, I'll definitely let you guys know anytime something like that comes up. But again, thank you guys all so much for supporting that Daytona Charity Shootout race. Support my page. Next year is coming up soon. We're almost at the new year. This time a year ago, we were, you know, having our first few episodes of the podcast. We kicked off 2021, I remember, with Alan Bestwick coming on the show. That was an uh, amazing way to have him on. So hopefully next uh, next week, we'll have the wrap-up 2021 show. Tommy Joe will be back, and we'll be able to talk about all the cool things that happened in 2021. And maybe we'll kick it off with a, another great episode, maybe a great guest uh, to start 2022. So thank you all. Tune in. Thanks to Bet Online. Thanks to Lightbox. Thanks to the Believe Podcasting Network. Thanks to TobyChristie.com, Racing America, all the partners that help us uh, with the show. Thank you all so much. And we will see you all next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.